Come on. There we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's, well, second live uh, masterclass. We're trying to just burn through this whole brand new ebook. It's called Don't Fight the Beast Facebook Best Practices 21 Part 1. You can find this ebook on both my Patreon and FacebookDestructor.com. Thank you very much for getting into this. Let's dive straight into it. So, this is going to be 15 minutes diving into the next portions of this book, and then we're going to get Q&As from all sorts of people from all over the world, and that's very, very exciting stuff. If you enjoy this stuff, please tell your friends, share this, comment, whatever that you'd like to do. As soon as we get through all of this, we're going to take all of the questions that we have from everybody on Facebook as well as YouTube and on Clubhouse because we are live streaming at the same time. Anyway, with that, let's get started. What we're covering today is really around what we call complicated ad accounts. So I'm going to give you a bit of a history of where complicated ad accounts come from, why people have these wildly complex pieces, and then also try to get into some solutions. So we're going to cover a little bit of history, and then we're going to get into a lot of solutions. And that's really, I think, the best path forward for a lot of success for, you know, for everybody. So that being said, let's get to it. The uh, complicated ad accounts. So first off, uh, back in the day before there was a Facebook pixel, believe it or not, uh, before there was a Facebook pixel, um, I was spending like a million dollars a day for clients like CBS and Nissan and Henkel alongside Activision and Levi's and Mitsubishi. And the best practice at the time was to really micro segment all of Facebook. Now, this was done because of the way the Facebook algorithm worked. And we didn't have a curated feed at the time. This is when Facebook would show you in chronological order, basically every one of your friends and every page that you follow. Now, if you remember at some point in time that changed and we'll get to that here in a minute. Now the best minds in the advertising world had come from television and email and Google and search and all of these other and, and programmatic solutions where they were really looking at non-performance based metrics, right? where they were looking at cost per clicks and click-through rates and you know buying in cost of inventory, things like that, because they looked at Facebook appropriately enough at the time, which is wildly incorrect now, as basically an inventory platform like email or like banner ads or programmatic and display. Now, the thing is, there, when you're working on that style of advertising, you basically have little or no concern for the end user experience because the absolute best performance was just to isolate and abuse basically every little bit of inventory that was available. However, once Facebook made the decision to go and to become an optimized CPM platform, which happened, I think, like 2014, 2015, was that when that was implemented? All of this other stuff basically became obsolete. And that's really, really important to remember. The biggest change that occurred in Facebook happened at this point five or six years ago. And since then, the algorithm basically hasn't changed. There have not been fundamental changes to the system other than introducing CBO or having this aggregated events manager. There's been little parts and little pieces. But how Facebook works and how you're appropriately supposed to utilize the platform basically has not changed in half a decade or more. Anybody that tells you otherwise, I understand that everybody's trying to do the right thing. But let me tell you, as somebody that's worked with Facebook directly with the engineering department and the product team spending hundreds of millions of dollars, they're wrong. And that's okay. So 
what we ultimately saw before was these wildly complex ad accounts where you were using interest groups, which interest groups come into Facebook because it was Facebook's way of trying to replicate what Google had in affinity audiences and also take some market share and media dollars from these companies that were selling custom audiences, primarily um, Oracle and, and and other folks that were, that were taking buying behavior and what things look like on the shelf and, and displays and all sorts of other stuff um, to really, there was a point in time where you could go after a lot of these uh, information providers and what they would do is sell you premium audiences and you paid a certain tax per CPM. So it was quite literally like, Hey, you can get your base CPM. And if you want to take this audience from Oracle, it would cost you 75 cents extra or a buck 50 extra. And this is back when CPMs were like two bucks. So putting that level of customization basically raised the cost by about 25, 30%. But people did it because they looked at Google very much like it was the exact same thing as Facebook. Like it was the exact same thing as Google and they weren't wrong. They were absolutely not wrong in that period of time. Now, that has absolutely changed since, but we'll get to all of that in it later. So the reason that we have interest groups is because Facebook is trying to get advertisers away from Google and make them feel comfortable. When Facebook was a inventory and click-based platform that did not run on optimized CPM environment. Also, we had CRM lists and we had a bunch of other things which are still valuable. And we had the lookalike audience, right? That inspired, inspired from Actilike. So Facebook very early on was very much built to look and feel exactly like Google for the sole purpose of Google had all of the money and Facebook was trying to prove itself as an advertising platform because believe it or not, there was a period of time where there wasn't a Facebook pixel and where there were no conversion objectives and like there wasn't a lead gen ad unit or there was no DPA, there was no dynamic ads of any sort. And basically all you had was an engagement campaign, offer campaigns and like link click campaigns. Uh, and that was it. And so the best thing to do then was to break all of your stuff out. So you had you had five or 10 different efforts for prospecting built around a whole bunch of different interest groups and lookalike audiences. And you had a wildly complex set of retargeting. So you could control this funnel because you had to manually control a user's experience through all of your messaging. And then after that, you had, uh, you know, maybe some very focused bottom of funnel efforts, right? So you, the reason we have all of these, the reason these exist inside of Facebook is because when Facebook started, it was trying to rip off Google. And a lot of people learned from folks that were good at Google. So they just applied these practices to Facebook. And at the time, Facebook was so cheap and so easy. And they understood that people weren't necessarily using it as desired, that it could work for you. Ultimately, that attention, the cost has gone up and up and up. I remember spending on Facebook where we might be spending 50000 a day, 100000 a million a day, and we'd be paying like 2 or $3 CPMs. Now, that sounds crazy, I know, but this is also like 2014. The cost of the inventory on Facebook basically goes up every year because there's more and more advertisers and the rate of growth of Facebook for more available inventory doesn't go up that much. Now, they try to help 
by bringing out new places to show ads and whether it's stories or reels or whatever. And by the way, when I'm talking about Facebook ads, I, I'm very, I want you to understand that Facebook and Instagram ads, they're the same thing. They come from the same place and you should be using like auto bidding to let you auto placement to show your ads everywhere. Because at some point in time, that wasn't the choice. But we've moved away from that because now Facebook is what we call an optimized CPM environment. Now, optimized CPM was basically a ground up new way of running a, what we call a real time auction for bidding on impressions. Basically, what Facebook did that nobody before Facebook had ever done, and they still do better than anybody else in the world, is they curate the end user's experience. If you notice, there's a period of time where your Instagram feed was no longer just a chronological order of every post at every time. And where you weren't seeing you know, all of the pictures from your friends, and you didn't see all the posts from all the pages you liked, right? They introduced what they call the edge rink system, where basically they would only show you the top 20% or so of things that you were engaged with. Now, what this also did was they tried to optimize the experience from advertisers. Because remember, an ad is just another piece of content. Your ad is basically just another web page. It quite literally is a web page. It has a URL. It's called a post ID, and you can grab it. It's the last little bit of numbers on any ad when you show it by itself. And if you can't see the ad by itself, you don't know where to find it, just Click on the timestamp at the very beginning and open it up in a new tab, and then boom, that's the website for that's the web page for that ad. So, Facebook was started to measure the click through rate, the bounce rate, the stickiness of actual Facebook posts as though they were just websites. Because remember, they are just websites, and the Facebook news feed, instead of being in the chronological order of everything that we saw, ended up being a curated list of all the um, a curated list of all of the posts that Facebook thinks would make you stick around for longer based on what you're engaging with, based on what you like. So Facebook was basically curating an experience for every user. Your Facebook ads function as content in that curation. If you have an ad that people like to see, then you pay less to reach people. If you have an ad that people don't wanna see, then you pay more to reach people because you're either a liability or an asset to Facebook's bottom line. Now, what this ultimately did is it allowed us to no longer require the use of interest groups and heavy remarketing efforts because Facebook was doing it for us. Remember, we're not going. We don't need to pay extra for interest groups anymore, uh, and we can go. We can now utilize what Facebook. There's this big case study that we've done back in the and then basically demolished the old way of thinking back in 2017, 2018 from a sock company called Bombas. And basically what they did is they took a typical Facebook ad account that might be 10, 12 Facebook campaigns with God knows how many ads and ad sets. And they ran that up against a new one, a brand new ad account that had just broad and a lookalike 1% of buyers, basically a quantitative solution on market economics where you had the largest audience possible um, and then you had a qualitative solution. The lookalike audience was just these are the best types of folks based off of those that have already bought. Between those two options, you just let Facebook make the decision. And well, the outcome of that case study was that if you're doing something more complex than a broad and a lookalike, which is trying to find your best ads, um, 
you are absolutely getting in your own way. And this has been proven case study after case study after case study over and over again, like the easiest, most successful, most stable way of scaling and succeeding in your brand is prioritizing your ad and using auto bid, well, now it costs lowest cost, auto placement, and the simplest ad account that you can. And while this became extraordinarily disruptive to the ecosystem, one of the biggest issues was that it also challenged what people had done to be successful before. And the honest truth is a lot of people were successful before, not because they were doing things right, but because they were so good at every other part of the business. Maybe they were really good copywriters. Maybe they had a really good landing page. Maybe they had that really good products or business models. So they could do things incorrectly and still succeed. Now, the big difference is when you have a complicated ad account, your success and failure as a brand owner, as a business, lives and dies by your ability to make the right guesses and work hard. So you have to be right and work hard all the time. If you take days off or you're wrong, you're going to cost yourself money. Um, and that is a big, big issue for a lot of folks because that's not a that's ultimately not a completely scalable solution. If your success lives and dies by your ability to do work and be correct when you're taking big guesses, you're going to ultimately fail. And when you fail, it's not Facebook's fault. So what we need to do here is really prioritize the ad, right? It's the ad, I always say, are, that's our most powerful weapon. And it always has been. Whether you go back to, 19, to 2020 or 1980 or 1950 or whatever, um, the biggest thing that we need to understand is the ad is what gets the attention. The ad is what creates that customer journey. The ad is what creates intent and builds that relationship. Now, there was a period of time in Facebook where the attention was the inventory, the targeting audiences were so cheap that you didn't really have to have a good ad and things could work. You could also say, well, I've got one ad that works here. And then you can go down the road of, of this, what a lot of people talk about, like cost caps and local likes and interest groups, where you take one ad that does well to a certain segment, and then you try to force it on somebody else. And if it doesn't work, then you try to hack your way to make it work. And really what you're doing is you're saying, well, I've got an ad that appeals to some people. Now, it's not going to appeal to the other people. But if I abuse them enough, some are going to buy. Now, I know that's a pretty audacious statement, but that's really what you're doing. If you want to target other individuals, if you want to create a target audience, build ads to appeal to those individuals. One of the things that I tell people all the time is, say you're selling cat supplies. One of the easiest ways of running your ads at a broad audience and appealing to cat owners is say in the copy, are you a cat owner? If you're not a cat owner, you're not going to open that. Ad, you're not going to take a look at that ad. And because Facebook starts to see, hey, every time we show this to a certain group of people, the click-through rate is really high. The stickiness, the time on that page, the engagement rate is high. And the bounce rate is low. They don't click on that ad and then immediately move. They don't click on that post because remember, your ads are not ads. They're Facebook posts. They're content that exists inside the platform. And Facebook as a platform is basically just a multimedia version of a Google search result. That's it. So ultimately what we are coming down to here is 
that the ad has always been and will always be your solution. There was a three or four year period where you could disrespect your customer and not take into concern Facebook's business objectives and still succeed. And those days basically are behind us, especially with the implementation of iOS 12 and iOS 13 and iOS 14 and CCPA and all of these fun, wonderful acronyms that basically mean that you're no longer allowed, you're no longer giving, Facebook no longer has the ability of utilizing a whole bunch of data to effectively abuse the experience and um, privacy of their users. So it's going to go back to, can you make advertising that appeals to individuals and make sure the right people see it? The best way to make sure that the right people see it is build an ad that's specifically designed for specific people. This is where you go back to very, very old school principles like customer avatars and uh, copywriting and graphic design and creative journey. We now, we now don't rely on trying to hack Facebook and be smarter than the machine because none of us are ever going to be smarter than the machine. It has been designed with work by hundreds of people, smarter than all of us, working in small rooms for years to try to accomplish a machine learning uh, you know, uh, artificial intelligence that looks at literally billions of users on millions of websites 24 hours a day. That's dozens of trillions or even quadrillions of data points. You're not going to be able to be smarter than that. So what you have to do is lean into the unfair advantage that Facebook brings into the marketplace by creating ads for specific types of people. And that's where we really get into creative testing and strategy. And I'm not going to cover all of that stuff today. I just really wanted you to understand with this where Facebook comes from, why you see very complicated ad accounts. And by very complicated, I mean more than three campaigns, more than one campaign per any business objective. And by business objective, I mean, are you trying to sell a product? That's one campaign. You don't need three prospecting campaigns, two retargeting campaigns and something else. Those days are completely behind us. They've, it's basically been an obsolete tactic since 2016, 2017. And the machine's only gotten better and better and better at doing things the right way. And as advertising costs go up, disrespecting that or not appreciating that is going to be more and more costly. And, and I think the biggest issue here now is just the lack of information and understanding on the advertiser's part to how to really succeed. And so that's one of my biggest goals here is ultimately to help you see more success and less stress by taking these giant complex systems and breaking them down to extraordinarily simple machines that allow Facebook to do its job. Facebook is the greatest tool in the history of humanity at taking large amounts of data from billions of people and creating intent. Now, I know there haven't been always been that many people, so let me just say this. Nothing else has ever been able to, at scale and in a predictive fashion, generate intent and interest and awareness in the same way that Facebook does. And either you can lean into that or you can try to fight it. So my suggestion is don't fight the beast. Implement Facebook's best practices. And this book is available on facebookdisruptor.com. It's part one. Part two is coming out very, very soon. 
And you can check that out. And it's actually the second half of uh, another ebook that I launched that also has its own course, which is how to build a winning Facebook ad account in 2021. So with that, please comment below if you have any questions or raise your hand if you're inside the clubhouse room. I'd love to make sure that we get everybody that has a question, we get those questions answered. And um, yeah, so I'd really love to help everybody out. Please don't be shy. I am uh, going to take a sip of my coffee here, and then we will just get straight to it. And if I don't hear from anybody, well, maybe we can continue this lesson and go on to the next piece. But with that being said, raise your hand if you're in Clubhouse or comment on the feed whether if you're on YouTube or Facebook. I see you there. I can see that count. It is not zero of you. So I'm going to take a moment, and then uh, we'll uh, get to it. Mm. Okay, so it uh, doesn't look like anybody's going to ask some questions right now. So I think what we can do is just get to the next part of this lesson. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Let's see. Come on. Come on. Come on, Clubhouse. Oh, Greg. Okay, Greg is here. All right, Greg, I'm going to bring you up on stage. If you don't mind, just introduce yourself and then let me know how I can help. And I see more hands being raised. That's awesome. So Greg is first, and then we'll get uh, to, to the next person in this list. Come on, Clubhouse, what's going on here? Bring this guy to this stage. I keep, I keep, I keep trying to, and it keeps not letting me. What's going on? All right, I'm going to do this. There we go. It says you're now a speaker. You there? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Nice to meet you, Greg. Welcome to the stage. Please introduce yourself, and then let me know how I can help. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my name is Greg Montoya. I do uh, search engine marketing, I, and I spend about $50,000 a month on Google Ads. So I don't have much experience in Facebook, but I uh, appreciate everything you're doing here. Uh, just a quick question. You were saying you rather see one product and one campaign. So if I have like a, a, a finance company with four loan products, you would rather see a one-on-one -on -one kind of ratio. Is that what you're trying to say? That's That kind of caught my eye a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What I would say is each business object, each campaign should be designed to accomplish one business objective. And you don't need multiple Facebook campaigns to accomplish the same business objective. So if you have, for instance, in this case, four different services or products and they're priced differently and they appeal to different individuals, those can all be their own campaign. What I would say is also, I see a lot of people making the mistake of saying, I've got four or five things to sell. And so they try to sell all of them and they're never able to do any one of them to the max amount of justice that they could. What I suggest to a lot of folks is if you can succeed with one of those products on Facebook, it's more about which one of those items or how many of those items can you sustainably spend as much of your money and time and effort in. I can't tell you how many times I see a business with five or 10 different products. And on Facebook, they ultimately succeed because they focus on two of them because they don't have the budget and the infrastructure to support trying to grow a whole bunch of business angles. And really what it comes down to isn't what's best for you at business. But what your ads and your customer journey and your website can most effectively sell to the lifetime value of that customer. 
and it's customer acquisition cost for lifetime value and efficiency. So it comes down to those business metrics. And often, often it's not actually the flagship product or not the most exciting thing or not the cheapest or the most expensive. All right. Uh, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, Greg. I, uh, is there something else that you want to say? Uh, no, I'm just chiming in and I appreciate everything you're doing again. So, All right. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. I know that we got another question, so I'm going to bring you up to the stage. Uh, thank you very much, Greg, for that. And now let's see here if we get this thing going. Hey, nice to see you. Hey, if you don't John, mind. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. If you don't mind, and please introduce yourself and then go ahead and ask your questions so that we can get down to the bottom of helping you out. Yeah, so basically I'm running a social media marketing agency, like advertising agency, and providing Facebook ads and sales funnel as a service to solar companies to generate highly qualified leads and appointments for them. Love it. Uh, okay, so my question is like, um, I just started out and like I, I signed my first client uh, as a free trial and I'm running ads for him in like an US market. Okay. So my so my question is like how to generate good qualified leads like uh, by asking questions uh, and ad copies and sales funnels. Yeah, so this is a, a great set of uh, questions. And, and, and where are you from, by the way, again? India. India. Okay, so we got somebody on YouTube from France. We got you in India. I love it when these things go around the world. It's, it's exciting. Um, so... When you're getting to the world of lead gen, uh, you've got several different uh, things you need to keep in mind. And, and for the record, I actually brought the lead gen ad unit. I was in the initial team of people that ran ads for it. I was uh, a senior at, um, I was a supervisor for Nissan and we were doing, we were one of the first people to ever get to use the lead gen ads on Facebook. And so there are, I, I've, been, I've been in the game basically since it started. Um, so there's a couple of things that I'd like to say. First off, when it comes to lead gen, one of the things that we, I can assure you is it is not about lowest cost of your lead. Very low cost leads tend to be very low quality. And sadly, yeah. um, one of the biggest issues that I see people make is they focus on, and I see the sales pitch all the time, where they're like, well, we can get you the lowest cost leads and all this stuff. And basically what they're doing is saying, we can waste your time really efficiently. Um, so when it comes to lead gen, it is far more about trying to make the process difficult, not for the purpose of being difficult, but to allow the individuals that you are focusing in on trying to bring into the system to disqualify themselves as much as possible so that by the time they come on board, they're actually really, really good for you. Now, I know that that's not necessarily the most helpful thing to say, but I, I just want to start there because one of the biggest issues is people try to focus in on low-cost leads. So with that being said, let's get to the higher quality leads. So when we get to... Yeah higher quality stuff uh, on, 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 on Facebook ads and with lead gen, what we need to do is allow 
I love the idea of doing questionnaires. I love the idea of asking questions and trying to get people to qualify themselves and show interest. So you see some of the best brands in the world that do this. One of the best companies that I've ever seen do this and, and some that I've worked with um, is a retail brand. They, they actually own a lot of retail brands um, and it's called Tech Style. So check them out. It's the word tech, like technology. And then the second half of the word is style. Now Tech Style is a brand that most people don't really know, but their brands that they own are like FitFab Fun, Fabletics. There's a bunch of brands that they own inside of their business. And what they do when they try to, when somebody wants to come in and buy their product, is they have a very long onboarding process. And if you're going to do lead gen, that onboarding is fundamental. And that's where I think a lot of people miss the boat. Facebook ads themselves are going to be great at getting people attention and you can get people to be interested, right? And getting people interested is great. You want to try to get the, uh, you know, the cheapest attention and get as much traffic as you can that's qualified. So the balance ends up being how do I get the cheapest amount? How do I get the cheapest, most cost effective source of traffic from Facebook? And then from there, how do I make it? for lack of a better word, difficult for somebody in a long process for somebody to come through on the onboarding. Now, I'll tell you this. I've worked with a brand where we had a seven-figure monthly profit target, and we had five million unique visitors a month. Um, as actually a story time on YouTube that I'm going live today about how I, I made them an extra million dollars a month just by reducing Facebook ad spend. But that's a whole other thing. Um, but what we did is we focused so heavily on the onboarding experience where somebody goes after the click on Facebook. And so I highly suggest that for you, where somebody lands after the click on Facebook, gets that person to really either develop value or decide that it's not right for them. And then when we get into uh, that customer experience, what we're doing is we're saying, we don't want your call center to just be full of a whole bunch of bad people. You want folks that by the time they get on the phone with, with you, they are eager to get started. So this can, um, this can uh, look like a whole lot of different things. But what I highly suggest to individuals and by the way, this works for ad agencies. This works for SaaS companies. This works for doctor's offices. This works for speakers and engagements. Um, there's a lot of businesses where a direct sale isn't the outcome you're looking for on Facebook. So you need to go down these roads. So that onboarding experience, I've seen it done basically one of three ways. The first way is questionnaire, where there's like, maybe a five or 10 slide onboarding where basically somebody gets to choose things. And basically what they're doing is they're filling out a little questionnaire and at the end they hit submit. It's almost like a Google form, but it looks better than that. And uh, at the end of it, uh, that person, you have all the information you need from that person to fully understand what it is that you can do for them and that they fully understand what it is that, uh, that, 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 uh, you know, Facebook will that, that you can provide for them as, as a Facebook agency. So 
what I'm getting to here is ultimately um, getting down this bet of customization where somebody can select themselves to be in, interested is great. So that's path number one. Path number two is what we call like a video sales lander. And I'm sure you've seen this a thousand times. But I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make with a video sales lander is they just land on a page and they just show them a video and then ask them to do something. Where I've seen this actually done really well is it's not actually like a long form video where somebody's talking, but where there's sort of like a progress bar and they're just putting out features and benefits. So they're telling a story where somebody basically has to sit there for a few minutes. They can't skip. And then somewhere in the middle of that, they ask for the registration information. So like halfway through, they'll be like, hey, look, can you give us your phone number, your email, something like that. And then at the end, they set up for a call. And what you've done is the only people that make it all the way through are the ones that have seen all of your value propositions and all of your features and benefits that have given you their onboarding information, that have emotionally decided to stay through on that process. And by the time they finish that, they are ready to go. Um, I, I was working with a brand where it was like a $30 monthly subscription product. And our onboarding was a video that you could theoretically just skip. There was nothing actually going on. But when we made that video eight minutes long, where you had to sit through things and then click buttons halfway through and enter your information, our conversion rate skyrocketed. We went from about 0.2% of traffic to almost 3% of traffic. I mean, that is massive. Versus just saying, hey, sign up. Because people that just say, hey, sign up, they may or may not be interested. By the time somebody clicks on your Facebook ad, they may or may not really know what's going on. And that is a very big piece. Also, when you're dealing in a service industry, when you're dealing with a product where it's more of a lead gen for a relationship, people generally understand why they're reaching out to you. You don't have to inform them on what you're doing or why they need it. A lot of times what you need to do is tell them why what you're doing is good and show them how working with you can be successful, develop that trust. Um, and I see this mistake happen so many times, especially for agencies and for software as a service brands. The last thing is having somebody go through a process where they select the services for themselves. Now this can be very interesting and you see this a lot. The biggest analogy I can give is if you ever called up a phone number and there's like an automated teller and it's like, press one for this, press three for that, whatever. You see this in onboarding for businesses and lead gen all the time. And it's extraordinarily helpful. Now it might end up all going to the same salesperson, but by the time this person makes it through the process, they know, oh, well, that's me. Oh, not only is this me, but of oh, this, list, this list of options, that's exactly my problem. And then they get to the next page like, oh, that's exactly what I need. This is going to be great. And maybe you can drop in a video or two. But the idea here is that process. And it only need, it can be two or three steps. It doesn't need to be like this elaborate 10 stage like funnel or whatever. But the idea is you start to generate trust because you're talking to that customer. And any good salesperson will tell you that you do this over the phone or face to face. But you talk to the customer by using the words that they would to describe their problems and their needs. And in an onboarding process, after a click from a, some lead gen effort on paid media, you can absolutely do that as well. Um, so I think that those are really, really big 
pieces. The last thing that I'll recommend for you more on a tactical level is if you don't already have it, I would definitely, definitely recommend working to get offline conversions for your Facebook ads set up. And you can use Conversions API. I've been using it for, for many years now, back when it's called Server to Server. And I'm so glad that they made it easier with, with in a fun little title, Cappy. Um, but what we're really getting to here is you can run your lead gen and basically just say a conversion event is that they sign up for a lead. But that's not really helpful. What I would highly, highly recommend for you, and I, for anybody else running these multi-step things that require some version of an after the Facebook click action to occur, especially ones that rely on email or phone calls, is to, when somebody signs up, upload that information back to Facebook as like a deal. For instance, I used to do this all the time when I, would, I used to... Uh, manage a brand that had like a $1,500 like key management system and their clients were like car dealerships and Tesla and like apartment complexes and stuff. And so what we would do is they, they were, we were running ads to basically get them to call a salesperson or to email a sales department. Whenever that would go through positively, we would call it a lead event. And that was great. We would optimize for those leads event. But what we'd also do is when they completed, when they actually went from a lead to talking to a salesperson to getting to strike a deal, we would upload that as well and have that as another set of custom columns inside of the Facebook ad account. And what we were able to do was see what ad on what day, especially inside of Dynamic Creative, um, would lend people to the right way of seeing, uh, would lend people to be able to see what ads delivered an end result that was uh, desirable. And so using offline conversion events to uh, confirm downstream conversions was really, really effective. And uh, I, I think we lost him, but I, I'm just going to go and finish this because there's other people. Oh, okay, you're back. Cool. Um, so the big thing here is. I mean, Charlie. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I see you. Uh, so the big thing here is with this last piece, you can optimize towards that event, that first event that Facebook can see. But what's really important is after you sign them up as a client, pass that back to Facebook. So you can understand what ad is it that drove that person to be interested enough to sign up and then ultimately become a customer. And as you do that over and over and over again, you're going to get better and better and better at putting the right ads out there. Because right now I'm willing to bet that you don't have a site that says click on this Facebook ad and then you buy now. And that buy now is them signing up as a client. I know that was an extraordinarily in-depth response to your question, but I hope that I help with some of that stuff. And let me know um, what can I do to help out past that? Or did that help you out? Or do you have any other questions? Yeah, I, I have one more question. Sure. Like I was asking about like ad copies, like how to write uh, attractive ad copies so we can like uh, attract more leads and etc. Like and convert them into a paying customer. Yeah. So when it comes to ad copy, um, there's not a right or wrong answer as to what is good and what is bad. What I can say is that I highly recommend that you utilize what Facebook calls dynamic creative and test out a lot of different options. 
Because the honest truth is there's probably the best thing that you could write, but you might not have the right creative that goes with it. Or you might not have the... Uh, you might not have the um, infrastructure or the sales pitch or the landing page that matches that sales, that, 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 that angle. So my best and biggest recommendation for you is to try writing a lot of different ideas and use dynamic creative campaigns and ad sets to be able to whittle down and, and calculate what works and what doesn't. And I wouldn't try to go into one dynamic creative and put out like five different versions or 10 different versions of copy. I would really try to specify this as let me try three or four different angles, different ways of trying to sell this product and then make two or three versions of the ad copy for any one of those particular options. From there, when you run those all as different um when you run those all as different dynamic creative ad sets, you'll be able to see which ones work well and which ones don't. And that is the biggest bit of insight that I can give you so far as the right copy to use or the right uh, words to say, because the honest truth is what works for you, the words that make sense for you to your customers are going to be wildly different than what works for me. So my biggest piece of advice here is I would try a lot of ideas. Also, I would talk to the customer that you have and I would reach out to potential customers that you would like to have and just say, hey, look, I'm doing market research can I hop on a call with you for like 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes or an hour? And I'll gladly trade you 10 minutes of my time for 10 minutes of yours. And from there, you can ask them a couple questions and you can ask a couple questions. And this will help you understand what words people use to describe their problems. And if your ad copy incorporates the words that people use to describe their problems, you're going to get a lot more customers because you're speaking to them in the language that they use so that when you talk to individuals, they're saying, hey, this is you, you're talking to me. This person knows exactly who I am, even if you've never talked to that person before. And I think that's a very, very powerful tool that a lot of people don't utilize. Plus, for what it's worth, if you do maybe 5, 10, 20 of these market research calls, you're going to develop a couple really good relationships and almost every time I, see, I tell people to do this, they end up getting a couple more customers. So it's a really interesting sales pitch. And that basically like, hey, I'm trying to get better at what I'm doing. And I really like to do some market research on something. Uh, can you help me with that? And if you hit it off, you might have a great customer on your hands. But that'd be what I'd really recommend. That's the strategy for implementation of testing. And then also where you get a lot of your source material. Does that help? Yeah, yeah. Th thanks for it. I also like I, I want to like thank you for the uh, stuff you share on your Twitter account. Like I followed you on Clubhouse from there. There, like the link you have shared. And uh, like I'm from I'm following you from like couple of last last few months, three to four. And like I got uh, very very much value from you. Like received very very valuable information from you. So thanks for it and thanks for those uh, answers which you have given me now. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. And, and uh, 
you know, I'm, 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 and that just makes me so happy. Thank you so much. And, and DM me on Twitter. I'd love to know which one, which one you are. Maybe I can give you a retweet on one or two things. Just give you a shout out and a thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I got another hand raised here. Um, and so far, nobody's commenting on YouTube and Facebook, but we got more hands raised in the clubhouse. So I'm going to bring somebody up. Thank you very much for that. Now let's see where we got. Oh, hey, this name looks familiar. This name looks familiar. I think I was talking to this person earlier. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the stage. Introduce yourself and let me know how I can help. Hey, Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. It's a it's a sunny day in LA, so I can't complain too much as much as I'd like to. Awesome. Uh, my name is Oye to everyone, and I make high performing websites for high performance businesses. Um, I had a quick question for you, Charlie, while we're just bearing with you on this video. I wanted to ask, you know when it comes to the ad copyright, does it make sense, or is this against Facebook's policy, but something would say, um, could you add an additional, or could our service add an additional five to six figures to your business? Sorry, there's a lot of background noise. Let me try to repeat this. Are you... Are you saying can you use ad copy that says something like how to make an extra five or six figures? Yeah, no. So basically, what I was asking is, could you add? Uh, could you uh, use copy that said something similar to add an additional and our service add an additional five to six figures to your business? All right. Yeah, you're breaking up a bit, but let me try to repeat this. You're saying, have I used ad copy that says something along the lines of how to add five or six figures to your business? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Um, that's That can be... Uh, that can be a bit of an issue sometimes. Um, Facebook may or may not flag you for that stuff. It really depends on where you're coming from. Facebook will flag you for basically making false promises. Facebook will also flag you for mentioning things that you may or may not be approved for. What I can recommend is that you get yourself approved for the highest level of advertising on Facebook, which is political advertising. And to do that, you basically have to validate that you're a real person and all of that fun stuff. Um, and it's a bit of a process, but I highly recommend that you do that. And that will prevent you from getting a lot of your uh, a lot of your ads flagged. Now, that being said, you can get ads live that directly mention things like uh that, that directly mention things like you can make an extra five figures or six figures however what i will tell you is more importantly than can you get that ad live it's is that the right messaging to get the person across i would highly i would definitely challenge the idea that that is the best ad copy to solve the problem that you have, which is getting attention for whatever solution it is that you're trying to provide. Um, you can be a bit more clever than that, I think, it's sometimes. Uh, having very direct things uh, it can be a bit difficult uh, for people to believe and buy into. Um, the other thing that I can say is you might get your account in some version of bad standing 
by trying to push those boundaries. So one, I think you can potentially get away with it, basically. Two, I think that you can definitely have a better chance of getting away with it if you uh, if you uh, get yourself approved by getting a certain level of qualification or clearance from Facebook. And third, I don't know that that's actually the best sales pitch for you. And if it's what you're relying on, I would really go into the same bit of advice that I, that I, I gave our last, uh, last person. I would try to sell this thing in three or I would try to get attention in three or four different types of ways and make two or three versions of an option of, for each one of those options. And from there, utilize those inside of dynamic creative so that you can understand what's not necessarily, necessarily the, the quote unquote best way, but what's the way that for you is easiest to overcome any objections that you get so that you can see success. So short answer is you can probably do it. Medium answer is if you want a better chance, there are some paths to go down. And the long answer is that may or may not be the best way of moving forward. And I would definitely recommend trying a few other ideas as well. Um, so I, I hope that that helps. But yeah, you can do it. But I would definitely not um, rely on living and dying by that potentially being your path to success. Does that help? Yeah, man, that does help. Yeah, so really what's in the case of saying we're going to take, um, we're going to add six figures. It's more of a, and our service helps you add an extra six figures, like six figures. So it's kind of like not paying it directly or asking the question. That makes sense. Yeah, and you can also say something like, I mean, it's, I would, I would, I might take an angle of not mentioning the number but also what is the impact that's going to have for me? Uh, Cause I'll tell you this, I've worked with businesses that were far, far more profitable at lower revenue numbers because larger revenue numbers inherently can come on the back of larger cost. And so I might point to when you're talking about an absolute value of a return, you might also want to get into what is the impact that's going to have, right? So I could say, for instance, if you work with me, I'm going to make you an extra $10,000 a month. That might be interesting to you. It might not. Also, you have no idea if I have no idea if $10,000 a month is meaningful for you or if you can even afford it. But I could say, I'm going to make things easier for you to save you time and help you make more money. You're going to see more success and have reduced stress and higher confidence in what you're doing. And you're going to get hours of your life back while seeing greater revenue. Now, one of those things puts me in direct competition with a whole bunch of other people. The other one piques your interest because what that's doing is it's telling you the net benefit of what this is going to ultimately bring you. And so I would challenge you to try to potentially understand what the net benefit people are looking for. Because the honest truth is the dollars and cents angle is not 
not always the most effective route. Um, and there's almost always somebody willing to spend more money and make a bigger false claim than and, and make a bigger claim that may or may not be accurate. And, and high quality customers generally aren't the ones that look at pure dollars and cents because almost every business relies on success of relationships far more than just the bottom line. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, well, thank you, man. I I'm going to move you back down and, and, and stick around. I'm going to be doing another one of these probably later this week. I, I, I got a new ebook. I want to get through all of this stuff. So we're going to be doing a couple more of these because it was such a smash success. Now, with that being said, I got a couple of questions coming in from YouTube. I see it. Um, one is from Sacha. Hey, so I think I know who this is. All right, but maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. It looks like it could be a former Slack member, uh, hopefully coming back to be a Slack member and got a job from another Slack member. Join the Slack, people. It's really, really valuable. Um, DM me if you want to understand more about what that's about. And if you look through my social media, you can probably find yourself a discount code. It's out there, I promise. Um, all right, Sacha says, Charlie, serious questions. What do you consider once doing Facebook ads becomes too expensive and less reliable for e-commerce? Okay. Um, here's what I recommend, Sacha, is number one, Facebook reporting has never been 100% accurate. No digital advertising platform is ever 100% accurate. And I just shot a video on this yesterday covering, and I'll show this to the people on, on watching, uh, my little cheat sheet here on the videos that I'm doing. Uh, but it's called bottom-up attribution. I actually just did a huge deep dive into how basically you can't ever say that something is getting better or worse in, in, in by attribution level. What we can say is that Facebook is still extraordinarily reliable in delivering us a consistent volume and quality of user. And that's a big thing that we need to understand is that Facebook's primary objective is not necessarily to deliver us sales. It's to deliver us a volume and quality of user that ultimately we are able to turn into profit through our landing pages and customer service, product offerings, and uh, business models. So what I really recommend is if your business is going to live and die off of the success of Facebook, I'd highly recommend that you, uh, you take a deep dive into your business model. Most successful businesses that I know don't need Facebook to make money. You can lose money on Facebook ads because the customer is worth more than one transaction. Uh, I actually, in today's story time that will go up live on YouTube, I'm going to talk about how I, I made a company an extra $1 million a month while reducing Facebook ad spend. And it's because we started to look at that customer for their lifetime value, not just their acquisition costs. And we raised spend from $3,000 a month to $3,000 a day to $55,000 a day. And ultimately ended up using that to reduce the advertising costs and save them and make them an extra million dollars a month in profit. That's a whole other thing. I'm not going to dive into that right now, but there's a whole video on YouTube that you can check out. Uh, later this afternoon, um, I got to write the description for it and then publish it live. So subscribe to the YouTube if you want to see that video. Anyway, not here to pitch the YouTube. 
What it can say is what we need to consider doing is really lean into well, a lot of what we covered on the first part of this, but lean into Facebook's best practices. Take a deep dive into the power five. Understand that the number one absolute most important thing that you have is the ad. Because remember, your ad is just another Facebook post. And what it costs for you to reach individuals is directly dependent on how good that post is. It's There's no difference between an Instagram reel and a Facebook ad and reaching more people. They are fundamentally the exact same thing. If people like it, you'll reach more and you'll reach them for cheaper. If people don't like it, you're going to be paying more and more money to reach people. And eventually, if you just make a whole bunch of content that people don't want to see, you're going to stop being able to advertise on the platform at all because you're just too much of a liability to Facebook's bottom line of business, which is selling attention for profit. So I would highly recommend simplifying your ad account. I'd highly recommend prioritizing creative testing above all else on Facebook side. And when that saves you hours and hours and hours of every single day and makes Facebook really, really stable and really, really easy, you can use the rest of that time on working on your overall internal business model and improving that. So I hope that helps, Sacha. Um, and please feel free to DM me. You may or may not be the Sacha that I know from France. I realized after saying that and looking at your question that you might not be, and that Sacha is probably a really, really common name in France. And uh, well, my, my uh, ignorance there as an American, please forgive me. Uh, and then Sacha also follows up and says, if focusing on traffic is more reliable, what KPI would you watch? CPA is for sales. Yeah, the only metric that really matters inside of Facebook. Well, the only two metrics that really matter. Okay, gotcha. Sacha, I, you are the guy from France that I know. You bought my online course. Did you also join the Slack or did you have two Sachas? I don't know. Okay, um, the only metric that really matters is cost per acquisition. How much does it cost for me to get a sale or to get a customer? And can I get that cost for less than I can make off of that customer for the lifetime of their time of the business? And remember that that number is not going to be 100% accurate. And really the only thing that you can truly rely on is spend. Spend is the only metric that is truly important. Outside of spend, it's cost per acquisition. And I just dropped another video. I think it was earlier this week, or maybe it was at the end of last week, but go check it out on YouTube. You're on YouTube, so you can go check out my channel. Maybe it's after this one, after this video. But um, go check it out. And why cost per click, click-through rate, and CPM, cost per inventory, are completely obsolete metrics inside of Facebook advertising. And I actually am dropping these big long threads on Twitter and I just dropped one today um, that's getting into how to optimize your Facebook ad account. And we touch on a lot of these things. And if you want deeper uh, insight into all of that, uh, you can join the Patreon. There's a ton of eBooks, there's 19 of them in there. And I'm gonna drop a new one uh, in just a matter of days. So I hope that helps you, Sacha. Um, there's some really deep answers that I'd love to get to here, but I've got full dedicated videos that are 10, 15, 20 minutes long that dive way deeper than I can right here. Um, but I love the questions and I think you're really getting to the point of what's important here. And I love that. Um, I see one other question from Leonardo and I'm going to answer that. And then I got to go because I got a client call in five minutes and there's some wedding stuff that needs to be taken care of before that. Leonardo says, how much creatives do you test a week with a $100 a day budget? 
Leonardo, I want to challenge the entire premise of your question. I don't think the right answer is how many creatives. It's how many dynamic creative ad sets can you support testing in an evergreen fashion at $100 a day? And the answer is probably it's a wildly different number. But what I would look at more than anything, and the answer is I would probably look at how many sales am I getting from 100 bucks a day? And how many ad sets can I get out of the learning phase with that investment? And that's really the math you need to be looking at. And instead of saying how many creatives could you test, I would say how many dynamic creative ad sets that are producing an evergreen test that allows me to fundamentally improve my business week after week after week can I afford to invest into at that spend level? Maybe it's one, maybe it's five, but that's really what we need to be looking at. The idea that creative testing is you build an ad and then you see it works and if it does work, then you launch it everywhere else is an obsolete way of running ads. And that really comes from not Facebook. That comes from people that are very successful before they got into Facebook, applying principles that do not work inside of Facebook to a Facebook ecosystem. And they tend to all see the same problems and I hear it over and over again. Facebook ads are unstable. They only work for a few days. The ad account's unreliable. Things are getting more expensive and I don't know what to do. And that's basically built on the back of not understanding how Facebook works. So anyway, I, I, I would, that's how I would answer that question. I get into dynamic creative. Uh, I, I feel like I'm a broken record here, but I got a video on, on that inside the, inside of the YouTube channel. So I'd highly recommend you take a look on dynamic creatives. And if you want to know more about it, there's eBooks you can find inside the Patreon. And if you feel like taking the course, uh, there's a deep dive of that at the course. And I'll use that to segment if you're interested in the course or in the Patreon or um, in, in anything else. Please feel free to go to facebookdisruptor.com. There's a Patreon button there. In the Patreon, you can join and you can see over 100 hours of video, dozens and dozens of articles, as well as all of the eBooks. And on that Patreon, you can jump into the Slack. Um, that's where you can find your way into that, which is a great community of advertisers. Um, I, I see we got two more questions pop up. Uh, I, I'm going to try to answer them both in, in 60 seconds, and then I have to hop off. Um, Calix from 27 says, if a dynamic creative works since two months, you continue to test others. Uh, don't turn money off that's doing you well. If a test is working, um, don't stop it. Don't ever turn off money that's making you money. Uh, that would be my suggestion to you. And then last thing from Sammy, let's see if we can get you done in 60 seconds or less. Welcome to the stage, my man. Um, please feel free to introduce yourself and classic function. Hi, my name is, and my question is, I think maybe we lost him. Did we lose him? Okay, well, we lost him. Anyway, uh, well, that's that, everybody. This was fun. Nice little power hour. We're coming in. It's a one hour and two minutes, so perfect timing. Anyway, with that, check out FacebookDisruptor.com if you want more information. Please feel free to follow and DM me if there's anything else I can do to help you out. And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, it's a beautiful world out there. Rarely in the history of humanity do we have the opportunity for anybody to lift themselves up by learning a few skills and changing the future of their families and generational wealth and poverty. So easy. So let me help you see more success and less stress with Facebook because that's what I'm all about. All right. I'll see you all later on the internet. Bye.